You're listening to DraftKings Network. Again, it's one thing if he was a first-round pick. It's one thing if he was just the third pick, like Sam Darnold. It's another thing if he's the third pick and three first-round picks to get him. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, and there's no other way to say it. What a massive, massive failure by the 49ers here. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I'm your host, Andrew Brand. We're produced by Jack Connell. That music open you hear is from my son, our musical producer. That's Sam Brandt. And of course, we are presented as always by DraftKings. Hope you're having a great week. It's time for me to get into the business of the NFL on the last week of the off-season of the NFL. You know what I talk about when we talk about sports in general, in my experience with the NFL and the Packers for 10 years, the off-season, I call the off-season me time. Off-season is when players are involved with their contracts, with their situations. They're going to do what's best for them, what's best for the family, what's best for their personal situation. That's me time. Now we're going to shift to we time, where everything packs up for the good of the collective, the team, what's best for the team. And in a matter of days, we're going to turn the me time over to we time, we think. But what's happening is there's some lingering me time issues out there that I want to talk about. And it's not all neat and tidy wrapped up because the off season's over. There's some things hanging out there. And that's what I want to talk about today. So in the business of football, the busy time is when they're not playing games. That's true for my career as an agent. That's true for my career as a team executive and even now as an analyst on the business side of sports. When the season kicks off in 10 days, you know, my situation is always like, oh, good, that can relax. You know, while coaches and players take over these things, front offices generally relax. They're on to 2022. But we have some lingering issues. So let's get into them on this Business of Sports Brant's Rants edition of the pod. Okay, first, and this is relevant because it sort of hit a course yesterday. Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts, the running back dystopia of 2023 continues now with this running back, who's obviously productive and still young and in his rookie contract. All things that you would think make for a lot of value. Well, he saw what was going on this offseason. He saw the diaspora that was going on with running backs this season, and he made some noise, and rightfully so. He looked at the landscape out there. He looked at the horizon. He says, listen, next year, the way things are going around the league, I'll probably be franchise tagged when my contract's up, or who knows what. So let's go after the money now. Because if I don't get it now, I'm probably never getting it. So I understand what Jonathan Taylor was doing, making noise about getting a new contract, getting upgraded, getting to the top of the market with running backs. Three years in, has a year left on his rookie contract. Second round pick, only one year left, no option year. 
Uh, the Colts had other ideas. <laughs> Basically, uh, Jonathan Taylor comes to camp. You remember he was summoned to the bus of team owner Jim Ursay. That meeting did not go well. It almost felt like Ursay was rubbing his nose in it because he's a running back and nothing was going to happen. Then things are unsteady. And then, of course, the trade demand. And it was given permission for him and his agent to seek a trade. Trade never happened, at least not now. And by yesterday, we're we're learning no trade, and he's going to be on the PUP, physically underperform, unable to perform list for the next four weeks. Can't trade, you know, he's not going to be traded during that. We're going to revisit this in a month. Okay, here's the impediments to the trade. Number one, it seems that the Colts wanted a first-round pick. Why? Who knows? Why not? What it tells me, wanting a first-round pick, which they never were going to get, no matter how good Jonathan Taylor is, for all the reasons we talk about with running backs, is they didn't want to trade Jonathan Taylor. If the idea is trading him for a first-round pick, which they are know they're not going to get, they're not going to trade Jonathan Taylor if they want to only trade him for a first-round pick. The second impediment to any trade is contract. Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be traded and sit on this contract. A new team may not want him on a one-year contract, but of course they would have the franchise tag. So he wants a new deal. What is that new deal going to be? Well, I don't know. Again, the same marketplace we were dealing with, why Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley never got a new deal. Was it 23 over two years? 24 over two years? 25 over two years? 26 over two years? Seems like running backs aren't even getting that. So... That was an impediment to a trade, and the bottom line is it didn't happen. And what we're left with is an unhappy, disgruntled Jonathan Taylor sitting on PUP with the Colts when they have these no-name running backs behind him playing, and the owner seems like a mess. I mean, this just seems like what could possibly go wrong next between this fractured relationship between the team's best player, not best running back, best player, and ownership and management. It's not going well. Taylor will languish for a while. I don't even know if he thinks he's not ready to play, but certainly the team does, and that's where we are. As I said, we'll revisit this in a month. We'll revisit it at the trading deadline. Supposedly the Dolphins are interested. Supposedly there's a mystery team. Now there's reports the Packers are a mystery team with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Rodgers. Please, even if they were interested, they're not, you know, the Packers. They're not giving up a first-round pick for a running back. They took uh, Dylan in the second round, which was surprising. They took Aaron Jones in the sixth round. So this is where we are. I feel for Jonathan Taylor, but we this continues the pattern. This is the story of the 2023 offseason. Uh, frustration by running backs, a pattern of it, met with indifference from teams, right? Indifference, apathy. Even antagonism in Jim Irsay's case. Look at what's happened. Austin Eckler makes noise about getting a better deal. Indifference from the Chargers. J.K. Dobbins makes noise about a better deal. Indifference from the Ravens. Um, Saquon Barkley makes noise about a new deal. A crappy deal from the Giants. Josh Jacobs, at least he got a million point seven bump. Uh, he got the best deal of anyone. Uh, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook on the market for months before they take these one-year deals at a fraction of what they were making. This is where we are. You know, and again, everyone asks, what's the solution, including a couple of running backs who I won't name who called me? And I wish I had a solution. 
there's never going to be a solution that involves treating running backs differently than other positions. People are just so out of the loop to say that. First of all, collective bargaining doesn't happen for eight years. And second of all, no way owners or even players are going to negotiate to treat running backs differently than other players. The one thing that I say could work for running backs is a way to treat everyone the same with the draft eligibility rule. Cut that down to one year removed from high school like the NBA or even two years compared to what it is three years now because then running backs have more earning power, more years. They could be making money at 19, 20, 21 instead of starting at 22 where their limited earning power to like age 25. That's about it for running backs. That's what we've seen. That's not a opinion. That's proven evidence over these last few years. So if I were going to advise running backs, anyone is lobby the NFLPA to really push the NFL on lowering the draft eligibility rule, again, not only for running backs, but for everyone, because it would advantage running backs more than anyone else if that was changed. Okay. So again, running back diaspora, if that's a good, that's how you say it. I think it's a great word. I just don't know how to say it. Continues, and that's where we are. Okay. The second thing is Joe Burrow. You know, when this offseason started, we passed the three-year threshold for players to do a contract for three players, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. Now we've got deals for Herbert, and we've got a deal for Hurts, and we've got a deal for Lamar Jackson, but no Burrow. Why no Burrow? You know, you could say Jackson's apples and oranges. He was coming off a tag. You could say Hurts is apples and oranges. He only had one year left in second-round pick. But Justin Herbert picked a few picks away, two years left on his deal. He got a deal, so we expected right after that Joe Burrow would follow. And lo and behold, no Joe Burrow deal. Now, we may get something in the next seven days. But the question arises, what's the holdup? Wither Joe? Could be the Bengals. You know, they're known and notoriously tough to deal with, tough to negotiate with, uh, stingy with their money. Mike Brown, it's known for 30 years. I had trouble negotiating with them 20 years ago, 25 years ago. This is where we are. Uh, but my sense is this is probably more about Burrow. Maybe, just maybe, he doesn't want to do these long deals that everyone seems to be doing. Herbert did a five-year extension. You know, that's uh, two years plus, so it's a seven-year deal. Josh Allen with the eight-year deal. Pat Mahomes with the ridiculous 12-year deal. So now maybe he just doesn't want to do it. And maybe he wants a shorter deal a la Dak Prescott, which I still think is the best deal for a young quarterback, him or, or Jackson. And this is where we are. So maybe it's Burrow. You know, again, if he wants to do a deal like Herbert, it's all there for him. Herbert got 52 five-year Maybe uh, Burrow gets 53, 53, 5, 218 in guarantees for Herbert, but that's stair-step guarantees, not really guarantees. Or maybe the issue, speaking of guarantees, is the Watson deal. Maybe Burrow is sticking his foot in the sand like Lamar Jackson did and said, no, that should be precedent. Watson getting a five-year fully secured deal should be precedent for me. I'm better than Watson. I'm in the same division, all those kind of things. Maybe that's the issue. But whatever's going on, it's not as simple as, hey, the Bengals just stair-step off of the Chargers deal for Herbert. Let's get it done. There's something deeper going on. And I would think, again, just to guess, that it's coming from the Burrow side. He don't want to do a long deal. And he doesn't, you know, why don't, of course you don't want to do a long deal for your quarterback. 
you get another at, shot at free agency. Even if there's a franchise tag coming up, you can leverage getting to free agency. So if he does a three-year extension, that's a five-year deal. That seems plenty of time. Ideally, a one- or two-year extension, three years left. So I'll see. we'll see what's going on with Burrow. Uh, it's different. You know, it's it's a different situation, obviously, than Hertz and Herbert. We've, we're seeing that now because we expected this deal weeks, if not months ago, and it's not happening. Okay, third thing, Chris Jones. There are a lot of players that we, you know, we talk, just talked about this that make noise in the offseason, but very few of these players take a stand, right? They make noise. It's easy to make noise in March and April and May, but very few of them last until now. Chris Jones, whatever you think of him, whatever you feel of what, what he's doing, excuse me, he's making a lot of noise. He's making a lot of noise, and he's taking a stand. Now, you could say this is bad advice. He should come back in. He should succumb. But wow, you don't see players doing this. Here's what he's given up. He had a half million dollar workout bonus. Nah, not coming in. He had a um, mini camp. He's fined $100,000. Okay, not coming in. He's he's getting $50,000 a day in training camp fines since July 21. That totals by Sunday that'll total, you know, almost $3 million, okay? He's going to miss his salary 195 weekly is over a million dollars a week. That's going to go away. And he says, you know, the only report is that he's going to stay out to week 8, come back and if, even with a roster exemption, he'll get 6 games. Six games gives him an accrued season. He'll be a free agent next year, although subject to the tag. So if he stays out eight weeks or seven weeks, that's another $8 million. He's got a, a million, I think a million two five sacks incentive, 10 plus sacks that he's giving up. Because obviously he won't get that if he comes in only six games. He's giving up a lot of money. Something like $10 million. So think about that. He could be giving up over $10 million in the name of getting the right deal. Now, what's the right deal? Well, he makes $19 million. Um, here's the deal. He wants to be up against, I would think, and I'm sure he would take a little less, Aaron Donald. You know, there's the standard setter for interior defensive linemen like Jones. Donald signed for 95 over three. That's almost 32 a year. Oh, my God. You know? So if Jones wants to bump up against that, and ideally with a short deal so we can get at it again, Charger, I mean, I'm sorry, the Chiefs are saying no. So we've got an impasse. We've got a standoff. And the Chiefs seem to be moving on without him. And Jones is playing hardball. Again, whatever you think of Jones, who does this? No one plays hardball like this. No one. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I know Le'Veon Bell set out the year, but that was foolish. But he's playing hardball uh, with Jones. What I think is probably going on, based on the Chiefs' history, is they are able to get these team-friendly deals for Patrick Mahomes. You know my feeling about that contract, the most undervalued contract in the history of the NFL. They, Even though it's advertised at 45 a year, it's been paying him like 20-something a year these past four years, when he should be making twice that. Uh, Jason Kelsey, not taking advantage of his, of his marketplace and, and jumping past the other tight ends. These are team-friendly deals. And you know my saying about team-friendly deals. Players can always help the team by pushing around cap. I mean, this is different than other sports. Players don't need to take less cash. Yet, 
over and over again, people are defending Pat Mahomes again. And, and Tom Brady, you can always do what teams want to help the team. You don't need to take less cash. Like Taking less cash only helps the owner. Anyway, Jones is not down with these team-friendly deals. I mean, that's the deal. He is not down with taking team-friendly deals. You know, and the charade or the mirage of the Patrick Mahomes deal where someone could say, oh, what a great deal. It's got all this money. Jones sees through that. And Kelsey, he doesn't want a team-friendly deal. He wants a real deal. So this may last a while. Based on his uh, stand so far, week eight, you know, giving up 10 plus million dollars to take a stand. Will it be worth it at the end? We'll see. You know, if he continues to be a thorn in their side, maybe they don't franchise him next year. And maybe he gets this Aaron Donald-like deal from somebody beyond the Chiefs in a year. We'll see. But again, very few players in the history of the NFL are doing what Chris Jones is doing right now. So I don't know whether to say it's smart or not, but I want to give a shout out to Chris Jones saying, wow, you know, a lot of people talk about taking a stand. A lot of people talk about being disgruntled. Not many people do this. And he's putting his money where his mouth is. Okay. I've got to talk about Trey Lance. I wasn't with you last week. This was a trade of historic proportion. Not the one that happened last week. Not the one that happened last week between the 49ers and the Cowboys. The one that happened in the spring of 2021 between the 49ers and the Dolphins. Because the Dolphins were able to receive the 12th pick in the draft, the first pick of the Niners in 2022, and the first pick of the Niners in 2023. All for the right of the 49ers to move up to the third pick and draft Trey Lance, who had played very few games in college. The 49ers staked their future, mortgaged their future, on Trey Lance. What happened? (laughs) Well, 2021, backed up Jimmy Garoppolo, get some experience, learn. 2022, his keys were handed over to him. He got hurt. And there we go, Jimmy Garoppolo and then Brock Purdy. 2023, still with his status, you think he's going to be the guy. And Brock Purdy coming off a severe elbow injury. They bring in Sam Darnold, who flamed out with the Jets, having been the third pick there, and flamed out with the the Carolina Panthers. Yet here we go. Trey Lance, number three. They named Purdy the starter. They named Darnold the backup. And somewhere below that is Brandon Allen and Trey Lance. 24 hours goes by and then they trade him. Dallas Cowboys, fourth round pick, take on Trey Lance. Listen, I have said in the past, credit where credit due, but also blame where blame due. I have said the 49ers are a a well-run franchise a good scouting franchise, a good coached franchise, a well-run franchise. However, this is a massive fail. This is a blunder of historic proportion. Okay, you go all in on a quarterback, not just taking him third overall, taking him third overall and giving up a pick swap and 2022 first, and a 2023 first-round picks are extremely valuable, not only for the player, but for the money and for the having them for five years. So they did that for Lance. 
which is so curious because, number one, he didn't play much in college. He's a project. And number two, this is something that Kyle Shanahan has shown the ability to to not do. Kyle Shanahan has been the quarterback whisperer, and he gets these great quarterback play out of people like Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, neither of which will ever be confused with elite quarterbacks, right? Why does he need to go all in on Trey Lance? This was just one of the more curious trades. And then the idea that they moved up and didn't know they were taking Lance, maybe they take Mac Jones. I don't believe that for a second. Or I think it's stupid if they did. You don't trade these kind of assets and not know what you're going to do. I mean, that's like clown car stuff. I mean, what is going on? Why did they trade so much for Trey Lance when they're a a coach, they have a coach that gets the best out of quarterbacks and they seem to be a team where all they want the quarterback to do is just not lose and not screw it up. They have players like Samuel and McCaffrey and a great defense. It's just curious. And then they move on. Why not keep him? Who cares if he's upset? I mean, it's just like, it's just a blunder. And the story of Trey Lance is yet to be written. But the story of Trey Lance and the 49ers is written, and it's a bad one. It's as bad as you can go, right? Again, it's one thing if he was a first-round pick. It's one thing if he was just the third pick, like Sam Darnold. It's another thing if he's the third pick and three first-round picks to get him. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, And there's no other way to say it. What a massive, massive Failure by the 49ers here. Moving to Dallas. Well, Dallas gave a fourth-round pick. I guess other teams were looking at a sixth or fifth, maybe. And they trade him to Dallas. And he becomes, he goes from third string or fourth string in San Francisco to third string in Dallas. And he'll be a developmental quarterback. And they have him this year next year for seven, eight, nine million dollars Fine. And then they have to decide on the option, which is going to be a big number, $20-something million. They have a year to decide on that. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> you know, if you're the Cowboys, why not? But come on. For people to say this puts pressure on Dak or something like No. No. I mean, Dak Prescott has to be laughing at people saying this leverages him. Come on. He actually got leverage, I think. Because this is a developmental quarterback who's never played, who couldn't break third string in San Francisco. They'll take a look for a couple years. Maybe they keep him. Maybe they don't. Maybe they... they flip him somewhere. But Dak Prescott is fine. Dak Prescott did a great deal because it was only four years and they've got to negotiate again. And then and the idea that Trey Lance can be used in the negotiation against Dak Prescott is laughable. Laughable. People tweeting me, oh Dak Prescott must be worried. I just tweet back, hey, <laughs> if he's worried, there's something wrong with him. Like Dak Prescott is absolutely in, emboldened by this because what if there was an actual real quarterback they brought in? Not a developmental quarterback that's more like a practice squatter. Okay, so Trey Lance, happy in Dallas. Everyone's fine. If Trey Lance sees the field this year, I'd be shocked. Be shocked. You know, it goes from number four in San Francisco to number three in Dallas. Huge fail by the Niners. Okay. What else is going on? Um uh, the Otani free agency, moving to baseball. 
What's interesting to me is that how this is again what we talk about in sports from my perspective as a, a team executive. How have the Angels not signed him? They signed uh, Mike Trout to whatever, like a 20-year deal a few years ago. How have they not signed him until now? Now, listen, he tears his ulnar, his UCL. He's not going to pitch anymore this year. Probably next year he's still going to hit. People are saying, oh, my God, the free agency was going to make half a billion or $600 million or $700 million. Now he's only going to make $200 million, $300 million. I mean, I don't think so. I think he'll make what he's going to make because he'll have suitors. You get to free agency and all bets are off. People say, well, he should get an incentive-based deal on his pitching. Well, fine, if that's all that's being offered. But you're going to have some teams saying, screw incentives, we want Otani. We'll pay you the half a billion dollars or $600 million. You know, if teams come on and say, you know, because you're not pitching, we'll sort of give incentives for later in the deal for pitching, and he, and he's got better than that, then he's going to say, screw that. You know, so this idea that he's hurt his market by getting hurt Well, that just, that would be fine if it was just the Angels. But in a matter of weeks, it's going to be 30 teams, not just the Angels. And I think he'll get what he wants. I think this is like Kevin Durant when he tore his Achilles. The the Warriors and other teams were willing to pay him the full max. Okay? So who So you can imagine if Kevin Durant tore his Achilles and... The teams come up and say, yeah, because you tore your Achilles, we're going to do an incentive-based deal. He's like, laugh at that. Because he was a free agent. He had offers saying, no incentives. You get the real money. If I'm Otani's agent, I'm like, yeah, you can offer me incentive deals, but there's going to be one team that says, no, I'm going to pay you just like if you didn't get hurt. There's going to be a team. Maybe it's the Angels, but I get back to where I started on this. Why didn't the Angels sign this guy up? What was? Is there something wrong with this relationship? Why didn't the Angels come to him, a, you know, six months ago and say, okay, $400 million? Why? Because in your, if you're in sports and you've got a blue chipper, sign him up. Get him now. The last thing you want to do is let him get to free agency. The last thing you want to do is let him get a sniff of free agency. The last thing you want to do is let him get to a point in his contract was like, roll the dice. And even Otani getting hurt, I don't think that helps the Angels. Get Keep him. Because why didn't they sign him before? And now they're going to be up against 30 teams. I mean, there's no way that this was handled right. I just don't get what the Angels are doing. You get the best player in baseball, and you know, this is, that's like having Pat Mahomes or Aaron Rod- or, you know, or Tom Brady and not locking him up. Or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. I mean, <laughs> come on. So I had to bring that up, the baseball free agency thing. Last thing I'll mention is just this outlier or thing is that um, I saw Jack Sock. You know who Jack Sock is? I, you know, I'm watching the U.S. Open now. Jack Sock was a tennis player who's really highly rated, got to number eight in the world, got to number two in doubles. Guess what Jack Sock's doing upon retiring from tennis now? He's going to be a pro pickleball player. I'm like, wow, pickleball? <laughs> I thought pickleball was these old couples, and I actually played it last week. It's fun, but it's like, come on. I'm not going to play pickleball for fitness. Anyway, Jack Sock is going to be a pro pickleball player. And I thought that was interesting. And there's another former pro that's already there, I guess, at PPA, Pro Pickleball Association, Sam Query, who I watched play uh, many years in tennis. So this is a transition I noted that's interesting. We'll see where it goes. But I have to note that. 
Okay, last thing I want to say is I got a lot of well wishes last week on a personal note. Uh, we said goodbye to our longtime uh, dog Truman last week. Truman was born in Gresham, Wisconsin in 2006. I was on a road trip that year playing, I believe, the San Diego Chargers. I came back and we had this little white fluff ball named Truman. And the boys and the kids and the family were so excited. And he moved with us around the country and what a great dog. And we held on. He's 17 and he's struggling this year. But my wife and I looked at each other and we tried to hold on. And he showed moments of spryness. But he went to the vet last week and the vet looked at us and said, well, it's time. And with a matter of hours, we were having a procedure and uh, we just had that time with the dog. So we lost him. What a great dog and what great th what great friends dogs are. Their unconditional love is one of the greatest gifts of life. Um, we'll miss Truman. I have the moments, you know, that you have sometimes with grief. Uh, you're fine and then you walk by. We have another dog, Wyatt, who's... Uh, <laughs> he's got an ACL injury right now. He's having surgery today. Um, Non-contact ACL is second one. But when I walk by and I see one bowl instead of two, I see one leash instead of two, I see one dog treats instead of two. It's just, it's tough. But I know so many of you can relate and so many have reached out based on my tweet last week and I mentioned it in my newsletter. So I just want to thank everyone. And I know a lot of you are listening saying, yeah, that's the worst. That's just the worst putting, saying goodbye to a dog. Dogs are, we don't appreciate dogs enough. Wow. They just, like I said, unconditionally. So I'm so proud and thankful that we had Truman for those 17 years. He had a good life. And Wyatt and our family will miss him terribly. Wyatt's kind of looking at us, you know, a little differently. Wyatt's like, hey, what does this mean for me? So we're giving him a lot of love. Anyway, a lot of love to you. The newsletter I mentioned, you can go to andrew-brandt.com. You can also go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL to be on my list for Sports Business League where I give out uh, daily videos which you can and, and weekly meetings. Um, I think I'm going to have a webinar uh, the night before the opening game next week, next Wednesday. So I'll give you information on that, the webinar. Look for it on my Twitter. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, where I do the reels, Andrew Brandt 2 i uh, got a column coming up in SI. So, uh, of course, follow me wherever you can, and please leave us ratings. I hope you enjoy this podcast that's unique. You share it with a friend. It's something you don't find elsewhere in the, long, the big landscape of sports podcasts. Thanks to Jack Connell, my producer, my musical producer, my son Sam, and, of course, thanks to you for listening. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.